Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Hello again and welcome to Mountain View Scattered. I think the introduction gave you a pretty good idea of what the purpose of this podcast is. Uh, But today, uh, what we're going to do probably won't be normal. Um, It's a little bit different, even for me. I'm going to be preaching to a microphone, which is strange. Uh, Typically, there would be a... uh, large to small group of people sitting in front of me, and that's whom I would be speaking to. Uh, But uh, back in September, um, Mountain View Hermanus did something that was very important for us, to us, and also uh, as it pertains to the mission that God has set the church at large on. Um, So we moved from one location to another, and that was on September 4th of 2016. And what this new location offered to us was the ability to reach out to people that that were like many of the people that were coming to our gatherings. Uh, But then also... It afforded us the opportunity to reach out to a lot of people that were not like all of us that were attending the gathering. And uh, we started in that month of September a uh, missions conference, which was, I believe, a four-week series um, just about mission and what that meant for Mountain View specifically. So we had some of the missionaries and church planters that our church supports come in and uh, share God's Word with us. It was a very encouraging time. We really enjoyed it. Uh, But on that very first week, I had the great pleasure of leading uh, both uh, Mountain View Somerset West and Mountain View Hermanus through the Word. Um, And the title of the missions conference was The Church on Mission, with the subtitle of Here, There, and Everywhere. Um, And I was in charge of doing the church on mission here. So what that meant specifically for Mountain View Hermanus was uh, here in our town, but then also in our larger municipality all along the coast. And um, it was a spurring on and encouragement to not only reach out to people that look like us, but also to people that did not look like us. And so what I'm going to be doing is just doing uh, kind of a short overview of what that sermon was um, and what the purpose of it was. And the reason why I'm doing that is because uh, for our church, this is a foundational issue. It's a foundational issue that five years from now, um, when hopefully the church has grown, Uh, when hopefully we are getting close to finding someone, uh, a South African, who will be able to carry on the uh, great task of 
pastoring, of shepherding uh, this group of people that uh, is called Mountain View Hermanus. Um, I, I hope that we'll be able to look back to uh, that this particular message, to these passages of Scripture, and see in a very unique way what that means for us. So I'll go ahead and uh, start just by reading the passage that we began with, um, and that is Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. But when Cephas, that is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. So this is Paul speaking. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? And again, that was Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Now what we get to do is just very simply um, and very slowly walk through this passage and uh, hopefully get at some of what Paul was talking about here um, when he says he opposed uh, one of his good friends, when uh, he calls his good friend a hypocrite, and then uh, one of his best friends and traveling partner and missionary buddy, Barnabas, even ends up calling him a hypocrite. So we want to look at just what is going on here in this uh, scene that we find in the book of Acts um, and what it means for us today. So just to begin with, but when when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Wow. Opposed. Um, that seems like very strong language. And the rest of the passage is going to continue to use strong language. So when he says he opposed Peter, though, what does that mean? Uh, Peter and Paul were both apostles, okay? These were the teachers that uh, Jesus himself set aside and said that you would be the beginning of the church and you were going to be my first missionaries going out into the world um, spreading the good news. Um, so it seems a little bit strange here for one apostle to be opposing another apostle. What is their relationship? Um, we can take from other scripture that they have a good relationship. Um, the apostles were in... Um, of the same mind. They were united in their theology. They were united in their teaching. And so when Paul says he opposes Peter, and we're going to see, it's specifically because Peter is not living out something that he is teaching. 
Just after that, not only does Paul say that he opposed his friend, but he says that Peter stood condemned. That Peter, um, very specifically, is being judged by Paul. Um, And that seems like strong language for one friend to use on another. Uh, However, we see elsewhere in the book of Galatians that Paul is not afraid of using strong language. Um, For instance, in chapter 1, verse 8, going into verse 9, we read this, But even if we, that is the apostles, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one preached to you, let him be accursed. Be accursed. That is like saying, go to hell to someone, and that is very strong language. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So, let him be judged. Um, Let something bad happen to him. And we read then in chapter 2 that this is exactly what Not what Peter is preaching with his words, but what Peter is preaching with his life. Elsewhere in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 12, we see some more strong language. Um, Specifically, this is about a group of uh, Jewish believers called the Judaizers who think that Gentiles, um, that is, people that are not Jews, must become Jewish or become as close to Jewish as they can, that is to say that they need to get circumcised. Um, And this is what Paul has to say about that. But starting verse 11, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Um... I don't need to go into depth there except for to say that Paul is saying that people that are leading you astray should have circumcision accidents um, and maybe cut off a little too much. That is very uncomfortable and very strong language. So what he is saying to his friend Peter here is strong, um, but it's strong with the purpose of uh, bringing his brother, his friend Peter, back into Um, back into line with the truth. And then next we read this, For before certain men came from James, now James, this is Jesus' brother, um, and he is helping to lead the church in Jerusalem. So these are staunch Jews. Okay, Um, Before some men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. So we see Peter eating with Gentiles, but when James's friends came, staunch Jews, strong Jewish people came, uh, Peter drew back and he separated himself from his non-Jewish friends because he feared what's called the circumcision party. Okay, Now, this is not a, a party as in a celebration. Um, we are not traveling to Eastern Cape uh, for initiation process. Uh, It is a group of people who are Christians that do not yet understand the fullness of their salvation in Jesus and do not yet fully understand the teachings of the apostles. But let's clarify something here. So I keep talking about 
staunch Jews, strong Jews, and then Gentiles. Um, if I could clarify what a Gentile is, um, anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. Uh, but more specifically, to the Jews, the Gentile is a different race, a different culture, a different ethnic group. Okay? Um so that is specifically say that when the guys from James came, when the men came to eat with Peter, uh, Peter did not want to be with a different race, a different culture, a different ethnic group. He did not want to be seen with them. Um, he would be unclean if he were seen with them, even though this is a room full of people that uh, have faith that Jesus died on the cross for their sins on their behalf. Okay? So, these are all Christians, and yet, there's division amongst them. Alright? We're going to keep going, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit more. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. Alright, now, Jesus even said that Peter, Cephas, was the one on whom, the rock on whom, his church would be built. So, we know that Peter is a leader, okay? Uh, and we know here from this passage that people actually followed him, okay? You can't be a leader unless someone actually follows you, and that's what's happening. Peter stood up to not eat with this race, this ethnic group, and he moved over to his own ethnic group, and all of his friends followed him. Okay, so hypocrite, that word gets thrown around a lot, but what does it mean in this context, or what does it mean more specifically? Uh, to be hypocritical is to go against what you know is right, and to go against what you would normally do and or teach. All right, so back to the passage. So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Who is Barnabas? Barnabas is Paul's best friend. He's his traveling companion. He's his fellow missionary, his fellow minister, his fellow pastor. All right? So here we have Peter with Paul's best friend, and Peter leads Barnabas astray. That has got to cut deep. So is Paul personally hurt here? No. No. Paul is concerned about one thing, and that is what we read in this next part. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. So this is what Paul is concerned with, the truth of the gospel. In fact, we uh, touched on it earlier, and we'll touch on it again, uh, not in step. So what does it mean to be out of step with something? Uh, well, we could say it like this, um, or more specifically, we, we could say it about this passage, okay? So to be out of step in this context was to be ignoring uh, and avoiding the, quote, unclean ethnic group, 
So the ethnic group that is not like us, the the race of people uh, that look different than us, we are ignoring them. We are avoiding them uh, for the sake of our own comfort. Okay. Paul, uh, rather Peter, uh, did not want to be criticized by the Judaizers uh, because it says uh, previously we read that he fears the Judaizers, the circumcision party. All right, so for Peter's own comfort, he has stepped away from a group of people that he knows all too well Jesus called them to go and share the good news with. All right, in fact, it is against the truth of what Jesus did on the cross. Okay, that's what Paul is saying that. Peter's actions go against what Jesus did on the cross. Okay? That's a very strong way of saying that you're sinning, Peter. Okay? Peter knew that the Gentiles did not need to get circumcised because of something that happened uh, back in chapter 10 of Acts, I believe, um, and that they did not need to follow the law, the Jewish law, just like Jewish believers were still doing up to this point. All right, and then in verses uh, fifteen through uh, chapter three, verse nine of Galatians, we read an extended uh, overview of what really saves us, and that is our faith and only our faith in the perfect object of faith, who is Jesus. Now, just to finish up this passage, I'll read it a little bit more. We'll talk about it again for another second. But when I saw that their conduct conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? So Paul's just very simply calling him out on his actions um, because he knows who Peter has been talking to. He's been talking to Gentiles. He's been sharing the good news with Gentiles, and they've been believing. Uh, they've been putting their faith in Jesus. And Paul says, look, you have been uh, with the Gentiles, and now you're going to act like you weren't? That's the definition of hypocrisy. So there are a couple things as a church body that uh, we need to take away from this passage. Uh, the first and most obvious is this, and um, this is not the only argument from Scripture for multicultural church uh, or a multi-ethnic church. Uh, that is throughout all of Scripture. Um but specifically from this passage, we see this happening. And let's just imagine the scene that just took place in Galatians 2 happening in one room. Okay, so on one side of the room, you have one race of people, one ethnic group of people who believe in Jesus, who love Jesus, who depend upon Jesus. Okay, and on the other side of the room, you have another ethnic group that do all of the same things. And yet, these two groups are not mixing. Okay. Paul says that is out of step with the gospel. 
Okay, so now the argument could be made um, that, okay, well, I live in a place where there's only one ethnic group, so on and so forth. Do I still need to mix? How do I mix? Okay, I get that. That's possible. But here in South Africa, unless you're living um, quite a far ways outside of a, uh, a township or outside of an urban center, uh, there is diversity. There are multiple ethnic groups. And for these ethnic groups, which would claim to be Christian, not to mix, is out of step with the gospel. It is false teaching with our lives, with our actions, it is sin. And when we sin in that way, we are forfeiting two things. First of which, we are forfeiting the opportunity to share the gospel with people of a different ethnic group, of a different race, of a different skin color. Um, This goes against our mission. Okay, but also we are forfeiting um, diversity, not just in the sense of kinds of people that we have, but we are forfeiting the kind of diversity that um, other passages of Scripture would say uh, are beneficial to the body of the church at large. All right, so we're going to be looking now at a couple of big ideas related to culture that we can take from this Galatians 2 passage. Passage, The first of which, um, uh, they're all three expectations for us, okay, as a church. And the first of these is that we would be challenging culture, okay? We see Paul doing that when he rebukes Peter, when he tells Peter that he is out of step with the gospel. See, I want to give Peter the benefit of the doubt. We can make fun of him. Uh, We can call him simple-minded and uh, point back to things that we see in the gospels that he said and did that uh, we say, oh, we would never do that. And yet here we see Peter doing something that you and I probably would do. He is um, going with what he knows. He is going with who he knows. Right, we read in the passage that uh, he feared the circumcision party, uh, and I don't think he feared for his life necessarily, um, although he could have. I think it might be something much more simple than that. Uh, maybe he did not want to uh, be hassled by the circumcision party. Maybe he didn't want his his methods for reaching the nations to be called into question, and yet it is still. He found himself still in sin. Um, so with that said, I need, I need to remember, and I need for you to remember, that we all make mistakes. See, um, just about anyone that you would talk to would say, Oh no, uh, I'm not prejudiced. Oh no, I'm not racist. Uh, one day and the next day, we, and I'm including myself in this, will wake up and we will make choices Um, that go against that statement. Uh, We will do things that are uh, against one race or another. We will make decisions um, that affect other races in a negative way. And we uh, 
must do everything in our power to, yes, of course, make sure that's not happening in our personal lives, but for certain, make sure that this is not happening in the church. Okay, so we need to be challenging culture. Um, And then secondly, uh, another expectation that we should have for ourselves is that we would be correcting culture. Now, I'm not going to take the time right now to read through both of these passages, but if you are sitting at home listening to this or on your phone listening to this, you should take the time to do this. And and this is an idea that um, I took directly from Tim Keller, a very talented preacher and um, uh, very uh, gifted at um, studying and preaching the Bible. Um, and he points out two passages. One of those is Romans 13 through 15, um, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And in Romans uh, chapter 14, this is where we see the bulk of the argument. What we, what we have is the church in Rome uh, is filled with Jews and Gentiles. And the Gentile believers are mature in their faith. Um, they know that uh, in Christ, they are allowed to eat whatever kinds of foods that they want. And the Jewish believers in Rome, even though they are in Christ, are uh, sticking to uh, a lot of their Jewish ways. And so they see the meat sacrificed to idols as being unclean, even though Paul, um, as he says in, in the Corinthians passage, that we know that these idols are not real gods, that there is only one God. And yet he encouraged the Romans to, first of all, correct their brothers, their Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ, but then also um, to uh, not necessarily eat uh, meat that those weaker brothers and sisters would see as unclean in front of them because it would become something that would cause them to uh, stumble in their faith, whatever that may mean. Perhaps it means that they would be discouraged and walk away from the faith. Perhaps that means that they would become overly legalistic, um, enforcing laws and rules upon people that Jesus would not uh, uh, enforce upon people. Uh, Perhaps it would mean that they would look at the Gentile believers in Rome and say that those people are pagan and we are the true Christians. Uh, Either way, Paul does not want a separation in the church of Rome to be happening. Okay, So here we have strong Gentiles and we have weaker Jews. And yet... Uh, they need one another in this church, okay? Now, if we go over to the book of Corinthians, uh, chapter 8, what we see is um, a group of strong Jewish believers in Corinth and then a group of very weak um, Gentile believers. All right, so the tables have turned here. Uh, And we know that... uh, Corinth, although their sins may or may not be worse than um, another group of people's sins, they were much more bold in their sin. And so here we have Jewish believers who are partaking in meat that has been offered to idols, and 
what's happening then is the Gentile believers see them doing this, who maybe they're new to the faith. It says that their their consciences are weak, so they don't seem to be convicted by the truth of the gospel like the Jewish believers are. And Paul's fear is that these uh, Gentile believers in Corinth are going to be led down a path that takes them away from the faith. Um Almost like they are just adding Jesus to their little shelf of gods to help them get through the day. Um, And Paul wants uh, the believers in Corinth to avoid this and to come alongside their Gentile brothers and sisters and help them through the process. From those passages, we get a couple of things. The first of which is that everyone gets it wrong sometimes. Um, and it's not always one group of people who is always strong and one group of people that is always weak. In fact, the two groups of people needed one another. Um, we also, uh, in those passages, uh, I think that we can take away a couple of things um, that we must avoid. Uh, the first of which is assimilation. See, in Corinth, what was going on was that um, the Gentile believers were just assimilating into the Christian faith, but they weren't getting rid of all of their pagan practices. Um, And the same thing in in Rome, except for obviously reversed, the Jewish believers were assimilating into Christianity, but not getting rid of the things that also kept them away from Christ. Um, And so, uh, similarly... Here, as a church in Hermanus, um, we need to make sure that we are not just simply assimilating into some group of people that wants to appear Christian. Um, We also need to make sure that uh, we are not inviting, uh, and I'll use race specifically, even though it is a sensitive topic, as an example here. Um, If we had a room full of believers, doesn't matter what language group you're from, and they're white, we do not. We don't want uh, black people to come in to get saved and then start acting like white people. No, we want to appreciate black people for who they are. So that may mean that they're Zimbabwean. Then that may mean that they're Kosa. That may mean that um, they are Malawian or Nigerian or Congolese. We want to appreciate them for who they are. They don't need to assimilate to act like the white group, just as the white group should not assimilate to act like the black group. We complement one another. But this also means that as we invite people in from different groups, we are not diluting the truth of the gospel. Okay? We do not want to be setting aside the truth of the gospel to welcome everyone in just as they are. Um, That is to say that once people are saved, once they confess a faith in Christ, um, you're no longer who you were, right? And uh, we want to make sure that the gospel is not being diluted. And then lastly, something that we should take away from this little study, is that we need to create a new culture. See, the problem in um, in Antioch there that Paul recounts in the book of Galatians is that uh, there are two cultures that are not coming together. Um, they're struggling 
to figure out how to make one new culture um, that is Christian. So when I say creating culture, I'm I'm not saying that we are going to uh, build the kingdom in Hermanus and take the place over in a whole new culture. Singular culture is going to be created throughout Hermanus. No. But what I am saying is this, that here at Mountain View Hermanus, we need to figure out how to create a new kind of culture that welcomes every ethnic group represented in Hermanus into the congregation, into a Sunday afternoon of worship and fellowship together. See, um, we need to be able to expect differences in one one another's cultures. And not only do we need to expect it, but we need to accept that. We are not ever going to be the same, but we are going to have one thing, one singular thing that unifies us, and that is Jesus. Now, those other things outside of Jesus um, can be accepted into the church to the extent that they are biblical, that they are holding um, biblical truth, right? So, we can look at the Koza community and say that as a community, there are many ways that they function well to support one another, right? We can say that. We can look at the value of family in the Afrikaans community and say that um, individual families can be very strong and we should value that. And those two things are biblical things. And yet, as it is in every community and as it is in every family, those things are fallen examples. Those things are unsanctified examples of what community can look like and what family can look like. So we want to apply the Bible to both of those things. We want to accept what is good and we want to um, to cover over what is bad with the truth of the gospel and create something that is new. Okay, so this is our task. And one of the big ways that we do that um, we see the Apostle Paul say this in uh, the end at the end of the book of Galatians, Galatians six two, and then uh, at the end of the passage that we already uh, talked about, Romans fifteen one, where Paul encourages us to bear one another, specifically to bear one another's burdens. But in the original language, it just says to bear one another, that we are literally. When there is something that someone cannot get past, be it uh, the food that we're eating or the way our particular culture does something, we are to pick them up and we are to carry them and move them past that thing. We are to hold a person's hand, walk with them through life, and teach them about the truth of the gospel and how the truth of the gospel speaks into their individual life, their family life, their community life. Okay? So we are to bear one another, to pick one another up and carry each other past the stumbling blocks. Um, and then finally... And uh, I just want to close with this. In Galatians 3.3, 3, 
um, Paul talking uh, to the church uh, in Galatia. Uh, let me get there real quick. He says this. Are you so foolish? Well, no, let me start back. We'll just, um, Galatians chapter 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So he's saying, did you receive the truth about Jesus by following the law? No. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, so God the Holy Spirit sought you out and showed you the truth about Jesus? So that's how you begun. But are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul says, are you now going to make, um, make yourself complete by working towards it like the Judaizers are encouraging you to do? Uh, and obviously the answer to that is no. We are not going to make ourselves perfect. We are not going to perfect our faith. Um, we need to rely upon uh, God to do that. And God, the Holy Spirit specifically, is the one that does that in our lives today. But I would ask that same thing for our church. We look at the new South Africa. And the new South Africa has issues. It struggles in a lot of areas. But I will say this, the new South Africa is beautiful in its ethnic makeup. There are pitfalls sometimes. There are problems. There are problems with xenophobia. There are problems where, uh, obviously, the hangover effects of apartheid still exist and cultures, ethnic groups, are separated. And yet... South Africa is beautiful in the sense that all of these people groups uh, live in reasonable peace with one another. Um, but I would say, as we have seen time and time again, South Africa is not going to get to the place to where it needs to be by the flesh. So here in Hermanus, when we look at all of the cultures that exist here, uh, the question is, are we going to live in peace and in harmony with one another through the flesh? Or are we going to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the continuing, the continuing realization of the work that Jesus did for us on our behalf on the cross? Mountain View Hermanus can be a stellar example of, of the issue that Galatians 2 is addressing. But it is not something that will happen without prayer. It is not something that will happen uh, without us all working diligently to move outside of our comfort zone, to go with what we don't know, to correct those things that are wrong in our cultures, and to put them in line with the gospel. And finally, through, those, through that, to create a new culture that is glorifying 
to God the Father that raises up Jesus as our Savior and relies upon the Holy Spirit to move us through that process. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.